Hello and welcome to the first Oblong Desk podcast. My name is Noakes and I guess the first thing I need to do is uh, do a bit of an explainer about uh, what this is about and why on earth it's got such a silly name. So uh, back in the mists of time or more specifically early 1992, around about this time of year though I think it was probably about January time, uh, I started doing a radio show on University Radio Nottingham called Oblong Desk and for those with even older memories that's a pun on the fact that Radio 1 used to have a record review show called Round Table so I decided to call it Oblong Desk partly out of comedy and partly because we were recording it on a desk that was actually oblong shaped. So that's the explanation of the name of the show. Now I need to tell you what it's actually going to be about. Well uh, another piece of history briefly uh, five years ago I did a marathon for charity. I mean I don't like to talk about my charity work but uh, I raised some money for Macmillan by listening to the first 14 Now albums in order um, over the course of about 28 hours. Now I continued that on via a blog for a while and got up to Now 20 just posting the tracks whenever I felt like it and that blog basically um, died a death. So it's time to resurrect our journey through the Now albums and it just so happens that the next Now album in sequence is Now 21 which was Uh, featuring loads of music that was out at the beginning of 1992 when I started doing the original Oblong Desk show. See, it all fits together, not just thrown randomly this show, you know. So, yeah, it seems a good point to carry on with the next Now album in sequence and have the podcast as a replacement for the blog, essentially. So we're going to go through Now 21, track by track. I'll just give you a brief overview of the album. It's uh, It's got a lovely blue cover with uh, Now 21 in the then quite new blocky logo on the front. It's the last album to have the CD Now and then the number on the spine for real, proper Now anoraks. Uh, it says 36 top chart hits on the back, which pretty much says it all. There's four number one songs on here, which unusually is exactly 100% of the chart toppers that they could have picked from at the time of release and uh, it was released on the 13th of April 1992 which amazingly is exactly 28 years ago on the day that we are recording this so that's a bit of uh, serendipity for you Uh, also on this album it was the first appearance for Diana Ross and the last for MC Hammer I'm not sure whether that's a good or a bad thing in either case really and uh, it was also the first advert to be voiced by Mark Goodyear, um, who I think still does the now adverts to this day. Now let's get underway with our track by track reviews. Um, I've got someone here with me, and it's not going to be me talking for the entire hour or whatever it is. Um, I have uh, my great mate John Tyndall with me here. Hello, John. Hello, Noakes. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm looking forward to this have to say it's been too long oblong desk has been consigned to the furniture storage unit of history and it needs to come out and it needs to get back to where it belongs on the radio indeed and you were there of course you you were one of the uh, oblong desk regulars in the early days i think you may have been on the first or second one i think so yeah yeah there was a there was a lot of free time doing a geography degree so there was <laughs> plenty of time to pop down to urn and uh, 
have a quick review of the songs. And it was very, very feisty in those days, I remember. We were quite unkind because we were young and brash and we knew nothing. We're not going to do that now, are we, much, probably? I, I think well, I think we've all matured and mellowed. <laughs> we'll see. At the end of this, we'll see. Um, it's worth also mentioning, um, while I can, because uh, some listening will, will know them, that uh, a crucial part of the Oblong Desk family in the early days were Peter Cook and Paul Condon, both of which um, are no longer with us, unfortunately. So I'd like this first one to be a tribute to their memory as well. I think that's fitting. Yes, I think so. And I think they would have enjoyed this. So um, shall we crack on then with disc one, track one? I think we should, and it's a bit of a belter. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a Um, obvious reasons why it got onto the album are not very nice reasons either uh, with the death of Freddie Mercury that, that got to uh, number one again second time we've been at number one I think the interesting thing for me here is that they could have picked either one of the double A sides they could have gone for these are the days of our lives and in some ways it's surprising that they didn't um, and something that they could have done given that there's an artist that's on this album twice which we'll come to later is pick both sides of the double A side um, something that became de rigueur in the later years with Robbie Williams songs and um, if we ever get to it the worst now album ever made where both sides of the All Saints hideous double A side cover version extravaganza were included but it, it seems at this stage it was fairly rare to have both so I think you know in hindsight you'd probably have to go with Bohemian Rhapsody wouldn't you and if you're going to start an album off you may as well start off with one of well as has been universally acknowledged, one of the best songs that's ever been written. So uh, seems fair to me to put it on there. And then track two, Goodnight Girl by Wet Wet Wet. So uh, another number one single. And another huge number one as well. Um, I'm not a fan, but <laughs> lots of people were. So uh, I, there's just something about that. This was this was when Marty Pello had his very big hair, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, long hair, yeah. And and it was just, and I think it's one of those things, again, a bit like um, like the Brian Adams thing. It was just on and on and on. And I knew, can it please not be number one anymore? Can it please go somewhere else? And, uh, and I think there was just something about Marty gurning on top of the pops every week um, that just cements this... It, really is a thing I don't want to see or hear ever again. Well, he was certainly quite smackable when he was on Top of the Pops, I must admit. Um, but I, I think that was more Love is All Around than this era, but but I think it's probably started here. The thing to be said in its defence, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't agree with this because you'd have been happy if their career had ended here, but um, it was a little bit of a surprise, number one, because uh, their first two singles from the album it comes from, High on the Happy Side, had got to number 37 and number 56, respectively. So they actually 
released Goodnight Girl in the first week of January, in that traditional period where um, bands or singers who aren't quite sure whether they're going to have any big hits ever again put things out in the first week of January because they know that's traditionally the lowest week of sales in the entire year. And it, it entered in the top 20, which they'd probably have been happy with given the uh, the chart positions of the previous two. But I don't think anyone was expecting it to get to number one. So it was kind of a, a career saver, really. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> Right, should we move on? Yeah, yeah. Let's play track three. That's Shakespeare's sister with Stay, and that was number one for a very long time indeed. A strange year, 1992, really. Unique in the 90s in that uh, nearly all the number ones were at the top of the chart for a very long time. If you look at the list of number ones, there were very few in the whole of that year, which is partly why now I've hoovered up all of the ones at the beginning of the year. Uh, so um, I think that still stands up. I think it's still a great song. I uh, still play it on the radio occasionally. It sounds great. I saw them last year live. Now they're back together again. Um, um, to be fair, they do that acoustically now, and it's not quite as good, but it's obviously difficult to recreate that song live in its single form. Uh, but I have to say, the gig was amazing. So, uh, yeah, um, full of uh, full of praise. And, and as Mary Whitehouse experience famously pointed out, Marcella Detroit has a great voice, an unbelievable voice. <laughs> You're going to leave it there, are you? <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, yes. Yeah, you can go and look at that. It's around on YouTube if you ever want to see the... Uh, the Mary Whitehouse version of, uh, of Stay, where they use a foghorn. Apparently, Siobhan Fahey hadn't seen that until last year. She'd seen the French and Saunders one, which I think was a little bit more uh, respectful, but she'd never seen the Mary was, Whitehouse yeah. experience one. Uh, but she has now, and apparently she, she liked it, so that's all right then. Good for a giggle. Uh, it is it is a superb song, and um, it's quite a slow start to this album. It's quite a lot of ballads, isn't it? And, and that's not going to change with track four. Sadly not. It's a re-release, isn't it? Uh, yeah, My Girl by the Temptations, yeah, re-released because of the delightful Macaulay Culkin movie of the same name oh good well then we can just lob all that into a bag and throw it into Oblong Desk's virtual river uh, with a brick in it (laughs) yeah well I mean to have two re-releases in the first four tracks doesn't seem like a great idea. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, we've already said, you know, good choice, track one, fine. And Queen traditionally had that track one, side one position on Now albums anyway at the time. But The Temptation should have been, if it was there at all, a bit further down, I think. It may or may not be news to the listener that uh, Otis Redding had a bigger hit with that song originally in the 60s than The Temptations did. So um, it was only a big hit for them on, on re-release. There we go. Track five. <laughs> and we thought things couldn't go downhill. Yes, I'm about to start. <clears throat> uh, it's uh, simply red stars. Now it's weird, isn't it? Because because around the time I can remember, just like simply red were just immensely popular. It seemed with radio stations and with you know you'd find people who just had all of their albums and just thought Mick Hucknall was God, and and yet their chart positions don't reflect that. People weren't buying this stuff in their droves, were they? So so where's the mystery? Well, they were buying the album, weren't they? So the Stars, the album, was absolutely huge and was number one for several weeks on different occasions, I think. The singles, not so much. Um, I think Stars 
Was it the biggest? I think it was the biggest of the singles. If it wasn't, it would have been For Your Babies. But those were the only two that went top ten. I know that off the top of my head. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, can't, I kind of have nothing to say about the single stars. It's just there. I mean, it's it's not particularly offensive, I don't think, but it's not particularly interesting either. Uh, you say offensive, but then then there's, there's Mick Hucknall on it. And he did one of the worst things that's been committed to music ever when he... Um, I'm going to say covered. He was in a studio and he opened his mouth and did Every Time We Say Goodbye, the Ella Fitzgerald classic. Yes. I can't bring myself to actually admit that exists. I mean, the thing that gets me about Mick Hucknall is that his voice, they always say, oh, it's so soulful. It's not soulful. It sounds like somebody reversing a Fiat Punter over one of those Lamarzi Octotunes musical toys and they're just feeling really smug about doing it. I, I don't think many would disagree with that. And and If You Don't Know Me By Now is another hideous example of cover version. Probably not quite as bad as that, but it's it's bad. And then when the David Brent version came along, I, I don't think anyone can ever take the Simply Red version seriously ever again. The bad news is that we've got more Simply Red to come in future. In fact, I think uh, in a couple of albums' time. But, um, you know, we can, uh, we can at least uh, gloss over it when it comes up next time. Let's move on to something much, much happier. So that was Justified and Ancient, Stand By The Jams by the KLF. Uh, strangely, Tammy Wynette not credited on the Now album. At least it isn't on the back. Let me see if it is in the middle, because sometimes on the booklet it's, it's all live. That It isn't live. Um, I'm just having a look to see if it's uh, in the booklet, and it isn't, which is a bit shocking. They've redeemed themselves on the website. It is now KLF featuring Tammy Wynette on the, web, on the Now website. So well done. Yes, she was always there. Ah, rewriting history. I still can't believe it happened. Perhaps that's why she wasn't credited at the time. I mean, of all the things, and if it wasn't for the um, sad reason behind Queen having the Christmas number one, I think the KLF would have been in with a shout. Um, actually, I think number two at Christmas is, is um, f- from memory, is, is a different song, which we'll get to later. Um, I think KLF was number three at Christmas. But I think it would have had more momentum behind it if the Queen song wasn't out, and I think it may have just sneaked to Christmas number one. It's uh, it's certainly one that got away in terms of uh, festive tunes, I think. It's just a joyful piece of uh, pop. It is. They do very silly very well, don't they, the KLF? You know, like sometimes a novelty song is just horrendous and not funny at all. <laughs> but they, they, managed to get, they managed to make them absolutely super cool. So you can still kind of like, I'm not so much danced to them, I do remember that this was quite popular amongst young children, but yeah, they they just they just do this kind of thing really well and better than anyone else. They did, and um, they they had the ice cream suits as well in the publicity for this. So just wandering around dressed as ice creams, which was just fantastic, in front of the uh, KLF ice cream van, of course. So uh, and and yet somehow it all seemed like you say perfectly normal. Um, we we need a bit of K. I keep saying this. I say this a lot. We need a bit more of the KLF in our lives now and yeah. uh, proper KLF, not art installations or whatever 
Bill Drummond does these days. Track oh, seven, track it must seven, be long. Yes, uh, which is yet another remix. Um, but <laughs> this time from the 80s, it's uh, Madness, It Must Be Love. Um, this was uh, this was out because they just released one of their many greatest hits albums, uh, Divine Madness, which was, and now this, this dates me and life in general, it was the first CD that I ever bought because I just got a CD player to go to uni with. I thought, right, what can I get? I need something. And, and so I was getting kind of greatest hits albums. I think I got Ahas as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, it must be love. Quality song. Genesis. Genesis, <laughs> I Can't Dance. Um a stunning, stunning bout of honesty from Collins there, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and uh, and the video was self-deprecating, of course, so that's that's fair enough. It's not the best song in the world. I do like the little boing noise that is in it, though. That That's quite good. I was going to say standard Genesis Fair. It's, it's above average Genesis Fair. Yeah, it probably is, but it's another one that we've both played on the radio lots, so you know we we don't particularly want to hear rapidly again. So let's um let's no, if, if people if people are desperate, if you're desperate, listener, to go and listen to I Can't Dance, feel free, feel free. Indeed, and on to number nine, which uh, is one of those that um I, tends to divide opinion. I think Julia Fordham, Love Moves in Mysterious Ways. What's your uh, take on Julia Fordham's slightly fay offering? Um, yeah, it's it's completely bland and features only one quality moment in it, which is the rhyming of surprising with horizon. Now, if you, surprising and a horizon do not rhyme, but she manages to make them, and it really works and, and lifts what is otherwise a really very average piece of music. To be fair, um, thinking about it, Glenn Campbell does compromising and horizon on Rhinestone Cowboy, doesn't he? And no one ever moans about that, so... Um, no, they don't. Maybe, no. We should, maybe we should give her the benefit of the doubt for that one. Perhaps she was doing a Glenn Campbell. Crowded House, Weather With You is track 10. Um, shockingly, really, their only top 10 single, but played to death on the radio at the expense of stuff that was not as big a hit, um, but is better, like Locked Out, for example, off the top of my head. You do occasionally hear Don't Dream It's Over, admittedly, but um, that's pretty much it in terms of Crowded House stuff you hear on the radio. That's because it's got a, uh, a key radio feature in it, Weather. Yes. And radio programmers absolutely love. If you put the word radio in your song, if you put the word weather, if you put driving in your song, you're going to get radio airplay because people who program radio station music are lazy. And even more so if you put the word DJ in there, otherwise that's surprisingly rare. <laughs> yes, yes. We've talked through a lot of them. Let's play something else. Let's play a number one. Deeply, deeply about your Spanish eyes. Sierra smile, legs that go on for miles and miles. Oh, see those legs, man. Miles and miles. I said, Oh, my love, I can't make head nor tail. Sail for seas of passion Oh my love I can't make head nor tail of passion Oh my love So let's set sail for seas of passion now 
So that's track 11 on Now 21, Deeply Dippy by Right Said Fred, another number one single, the fourth and final one on this album. And I think it would have been track one on side two if you had the uh, cassette or vinyl, I think. I'll have to check that, but I think that's right. Um, so, yeah, and another kind of surprise number one. I recall it took a while to get to the top, this one. Yeah, and it's, and it's strange because although it's not as immediately obvious as I'm Too Sexy, it's actually a better pop song. It's got more structure to it. It's not as silly. I mean, Right So Fred had that kind of novelty image. And so when they actually wrote something like this, which was a really, really good piece of pop, you know, they, they've kind of got to get over that hurdle. It's a bit like Aqua and Barbie Girl. Aqua did some really good stuff after that. And and all these bands that start off with something that's sort of big and bold and and a bit silly, when they do write something that's really serious, people maybe don't take it seriously. So it's really pleasing to see that this did get to number it's one. It's probably worth mentioning it was the third single, of course. They had Don't Talk, Just Kiss in between, which is kind of yeah. falls between the two, really. It's quite silly, but it's not as silly as I'm Too Sexy. I prefer Don't Talk, Just Kiss, actually, but but clearly I think um, Ashley Abram must have guessed that Deeply Dippy was going to be a very big hit indeed. It was still climbing the chart when the Now album came out, actually. Um, I think it was very close to being number one then, so I think he, he got an inkling. Maybe he had the midweek chart in front of him and knew it was going to be a chart topper. Um, <laughs> there's something for old radio people that probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, you can see why it's on there. It's uh, It would have been nice to have Don't Talk, Just Kiss, but uh, there you go. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy with that one. Right, now, track 12. We've decided, have Noakes and I, that there is absolutely no way that we can go through this retrospective without handing out some awards, because these these songs have all been around now for 28 years, and you can look back now and go, right, okay, well, did that really deserve to be on there? And as you've seen, sometimes we're saying yes, sometimes we're saying no, uh, but every album has just one absolute stinker that comes in and ruins it and we thought what can we call this award and I'm try- I was trying to think and obviously we're both um, big football fans and fans of clubs that have had their issues over the uh, over the last 28 years or so um, yes uh, and particularly with management uh, and you- you've dodged this one uh, but my club leads uh, we-, we were fated with the inevitable arrival of Neil Warnock. And um, he came in and, like he does in most places, just ruined it. And so we've decided to call the award for the track on each Now album that just ruins it, the Neil Warnock Award. And the winner, the inaugural winner, goes to track 12, which is Mr Big, To Be With You, which is just Awful. For me, this award isn't for them. It's not necessarily going to be given to the obvious clunkers because there will be some obvious clunkers. I mean, there's one coming up on disc two, which I can't stand, but I, I know you like. So we've, we've not agreed on that one. Um, it has to be something that we both agree is duff. Um, and, and this one is one of those, isn't it? It's it's a bit of a housewife hen party song is what I call it. Um, they often will be like this, the ones we award them to. It's one of those that, you know, let's clap along and sing along, but it's so vacuous that it, 
it's just rubbish. Um, and thankfully, they went away very quickly afterwards. They only had one more minor hit. Um, but so, so not even that Mr. Big. No, no, they didn't even have the decent. I don't even like the name. The name, the name, Mr. Big's annoying as well. Uh, yeah, and I think there was another band called Mr. Big that were. Um, uh, yes, there was in the seventies. They did that song, didn't they, Romeo? So they, so they didn't even come up with an original band name. No, no, and and and, and Romeo, Romeo is a fantastic song. So they're sullying the name of Mr. Big, the old. Old Mr. Big, who were from my kind of stomping ground, Oxfordshire, um, around in the seventies, with that dirge. So, um, yeah, yes, an- a- another yes. reason to hate them. Yes, let's hate them. <laughs> right. Okay. <I'll> t- <laughs> <laughs> What small family car do you think Mick Hucknell's voice sounds like? Do you hate Mr. Big as much as we do? And what was the first CD you ever bought? You can tweet us with your thoughts on that and anything else we've been chatting about to at the Oblong Desk. Coming up, Noakes says... I don't drive myself, but I've been in a Ford and it's, yes, it's a perfectly acceptable experience. I say this... Mino, you can do this. Crack on. And we talk badgers as Oblong Desk continues with everything but the girl next. versions on it who would have thought uh, quite nice that it's, it's one of those it's uh, it's nice in a um slightly more substantial feel to it than julia fordham type way yeah it's not it's not overproduced it's stripped back it lets tracy thorne's voice really shine through and it's just a quality quality ballad which so many of the other songs on here do suffer from that kind of real overproduced thing that that means that the the soul as we were talking about before the soul of the song gets lost which it doesn't in Love is Strange. Yeah, I think that's a fair summary. So let's move on to track 14, Church of Your Heart by Roxette. Our first song on here that didn't make the top 20. Even Julia Fordham did amazingly. Uh, but uh, the Roxette one didn't. It got to number 21. But it was, and we, we kind of touched on this earlier with Right Said Fred, there were always a few tracks that were put on the album when they'd just come out, when they were about to be released or when they were still climbing the chart. This was one that was actually put on the album before it was out. So I'm guessing that our friend Mr Abram probably thought it was going to be a big smash hit but uh well it wasn't 
well, it, it's Roxette's ballad. They had two songs, didn't they? They had the up-tempo one and the ballad one, and this is the ballad one. And, it, I mean, the fact it's not even on their Greatest Hits compilation. No, it uh, isn't, is it? Get the chorus. <laughs> no, it <isn't>. no. <laughs> Proves how much faith they had in it even, so how it turns up on a now album. Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's probably to do with the record label they were on. A lot of these would, would have been on the, the Virgin EMI stable, uh, which they were, I think, weren't they? So it's probably to do with that. And it's, you know, it's the usual thing. Well, the last song was a big hit because Joyride was massive so let's let's put that on and it didn't quite work out it's it's a bit of an oddity actually on this album because most of these are pretty big hits we'll we'll come to now albums later on where there's a um and i'm looking at you now 25 where there are a lot of small or non-hits which will be great fun but that, that, that's all to come let's not let's not get too carried away let's move on let's not let's move on instead to someone who's in tune with the times as we speak during lockdown because he's already got massive hair it's brian may uh, driven Absolutely. by you Brian May, <laughs> driven by you. Uh, now, he loves a badger, doesn't he, Brian May? What was he thinking selling a song to Ford? Where do you see most badgers? He loves badgers. You see most of them at the side of the road after they've been hit by a rep driving home late in his Ford Mondeo, don't you? So it's whilst it's a great song, it's a you know, great rock track, it's Brian May all over it. It's got all of Brian May doing Brian May noises, and it's a perfectly serviceable piece of rock. I just don't get why you would do that and sell it to Ford. It just seems like he's being very hypocritical. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, it's it's not exactly the most thrilling of brands either, is it? Really, Ford. I mean, it's not very it's not very rockmongous brand. You'd think he'd have uh, maybe gone for something more more exciting. Sorry if you drive a Ford, but uh, they're 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 not very interesting. Um, I I don't drive myself, but I've been in a Ford, and it's yes, it's a perfectly acceptable experience. As is this song. Brian May, I'm not going to diss him too much. He plays guitar phenomenally well and makes a unique sound on it. And he's also, is he a doctor of physics? Uh, yeah, as, well. astrophysics or physics, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've got an interesting question for you, though, mate. If you had a choice, you're going stargazing and you want some musical accompaniment, who are you taking? Are you taking May or Cox? May or Professor Brian Cox? Um... It depends, doesn't it? Two two very different uh, sides of the coin: a keyboard player and a guitarist. I mean, my penchant is for keyboards, um, as uh, people who know me will will understand. And also, he wouldn't be banging on about badges nonstop. So I suppose I'll probably go for Brian Cox, really. Yeah, for Brian Cox. I think I think I'm going to take Brian Cox. Although, although I did see, um, did you see Brian May doing his uh, Gary Barlow crooner session? No, I didn't. Ah, it's worth watching. Worth worth watching, listener. Um, they did um, Get Back, Beatles Get Back, and it was rather good. Fair and enough. I think May may have more of a musical repertoire. Yes, there is. But then I'm just thinking about this. If, if you're going out stargazing, you're probably going somewhere where they haven't got electricity, <laughs> and therefore you'd have to be acoustic. And I don't know that Brian May would work acoustic, do you? No. Yeah, he's more of an electric plug-in man. He is. He's an electric man, mind okay. you. I'm taking Brian. Good. That's that decided. <laughs> Look at Orion or something. Yeah, <laughs> the arms of Orion, mate. <laughs> Ford Orion. Yes, indeed. And there we go, back to the start. Right, let's go to track 16, which is uh, another one from an EP, actually, although um, not generally credited as such. Welcome to the Cheap Seats from The Wonder Stuff. Imagine it's a place where the open
welcome to the cheap seats wonder stuff and uh, kirsty mccall who can never make anything that she's on anything other than better um that song is i was i was listening to it the other day as part of research i that's a weird time signature this is the kind of thing that us anoraki musicians go okay, you can't count along in four what's it in and i tried counting along in three and that didn't work either and then i went and looked and it's actually written in a mixed time signature Ooh, are you impressed that is impressive yeah, it's it's a bar of six eight and then a bar of three four so you get that diddly 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 yeah and that is the same time signature as uh, west side stories america yeah i let it be in america diddly 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 that's why it sounds non-typical but i, I was like yeah, it did always stand out on the radio, I have to say, and uh, sadly not one you hear much nowadays. You only ever hear Size of a Cow, pretty much, but uh, which is which is fine, but uh, Welcome to the Cheap Seats is a fantastic song, and I, I had certainly never um, noticed that before, so uh, th- that's where your music training comes in, I think, and I don't have that. I, I have my chart anorak details. Yeah, so let's move on to probably the oddest song on the album. We're going to hear a bit of this as well. Number 17, Far Gone and Out by the Jesus and Mary chain. Jesus and Mary Chain with Far Gone and Out, track 17 on Now 21 that we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk. And um, there's some rather optimistic uh, liner notes, which I'm not sure if Ashley Abram wrote those as well. I suspect he probably did. Um, It certainly seems to have his hand in it. But yeah, very optimistic for this one. Already having reached number 23 by the 15th of March 1992. Yep, and uh, that's exactly as far as it would get as well. A very, very odd inclusion, this. It's probably worth mentioning as well, just briefly, there were no hits albums coming out at the time. Jesus and Mary Chain had traditionally been a hits artist rather than a now artist. It's almost like they thought, oh, we can pick them up now, great! And they went for the one that was not as big a hit as the previous one. That's what happened here. I'd heard of them. I'd never, ever listened to them. I think it was the name that put me off and I expected them to be sort of a bit gothy, but this isn't at all. It's, it's kind of like, it's indie pop. It's not, it's not the greatest slab of indie pop you'll ever hear, but it's perfectly serviceable. And when I heard it, I was like, Oh, is that them? I had that kind of, you know, oh, I've heard this song before, but I didn't know it was them. And I couldn't have told you anything about them before. So I've, I've been introduced to something new that I may well go and listen to again at some point in the future, not immediately. Yeah, I, th- I think they were in their kind of more poppy phase at this point. Um, certainly, uh, my favourite song by them is Sometimes Always, which came out a couple of years later and had uh, Hope Sandoval um, as a guest singer on it. And, and that's a really good pop song. <laughs> discuss the last of two on disc one it's a bit lopsided this 19 tracks on disc one 17 on the on the second uh born of frustration by james is track 18 yeah and uh, this was james the king band of 
we've got two chords and we're going to use them. I found all of this kind of James period a bit samey and I preferred sound to this one. Oh, really? That's interesting. I see. I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but I prefer Born of Frustration to sound. Um, they do have similarities. Um, and that album, I think, there, there wasn't a lot of variation on it, it has to be said. But uh, it's, it's still a good pop song. It's a good pop song. And I can see why it's here. Yeah, absolutely. No qualms about it still being there. And James did a lot of really, really good stuff outside of Sit Down, uh, which is now the only thing you ever hear from. Yeah, it's a running theme, that, isn't it, on this album? Songs by bands that you only ever hear one track by. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Speaking of which... Well, you do sometimes hear... You know, um, yeah, you sometimes hear a few tracks by The Cure. Um, you certainly... Um, um, it's Friday, I'm in love. I think you occasionally oh. hear the love cats. Oh, you do, yeah, yeah, but you have to look out for them. But th- this, this is this is high. <laughs> this is Fat Bob being Fat Bob, and it's not brilliant at all, is it? It's a bit of a dirge. It's another one that was put on before it came out. Um, a, a bit of a better punt than Rock Set in terms of chart positions because it got to number eight, but in every way, rightly overshadowed by the next single, which we've already mentioned, was Friday I'm in Love. Yeah, it's almost one of those things where you can see um, half of Britain buying this album and then just stopping it and. Uh, putting the next one on before that track finishes. So... Shall we? Let's do that. Yes. Let's move to CD2 or Tape 2 or or Record 2, whichever, um, if you're listening along with us. And track one on disc two is I Love Your Smile, brackets, Dry's a Bone Remix, close brackets. See, they credit that, even though they don't really credit featured artists very much on this album i'm, I'm sure i'm sure dreiser is thrilled <laughs> yes i'm sure he she or it is and uh, this is by uh, shanice <laughs> Your smile, which is, um, it was infectious and it was everywhere, and it was still there when I went on my uh, geography field trip from uh, from the university, and we went off to Snowdonia, and there's a mad, she was quite young doctor who was driving us round the quite narrow country lanes of uh, Snowdonia and Anglesey in this minibus, and she would insist on doing that as fast and probably faster than she legally could. And whenever this song came on the radio, which it did all the time, um, she would go even faster. And it's one of the scariest experiences of my life was being in the back of this minibus with her going... So a song that is quite a slow soul song, not a ballad, but fairly, fairly you know, down-tempo, made her drive faster. Yes. Right. It's one of those sunshine summery songs, yes, isn't it? I suppose. You know, system up with the top down. And so whilst I'm not particularly into it, 
just has that kind of, oh, I will never be able to hear this without thinking I could have been involved in a nasty accident with a bus on its side. Well, what a lovely anecdote. Thanks for that, John. <laughs> um, right. So I, my feelings on Shanice are I, can't, I absolutely cannot stand this song, I'm afraid. Um, it does, however, lead me into another of our features, which is going to be a regular, which is called Now Where Else? And that's not me doing a Brummie accent, even though I have apparently developed a bit of one that is uh, a pun listener on the fact that uh, these are artists who appear nowhere else on the standard now album collection so forget the spin-offs like now dance and all that kind of thing we're just talking about the regular uh, releases there are nine of them on this album that's uh, a quarter of the track listing um, and only two of them are one hit wonders so uh, most of these artists had other hits they just weren't on now albums for various reasons I mean in the case of the temptations for example uh, it's because clearly they'd had all their hits by that point and most of the band probably well yes let's not get morbid um julia fordham is another one there's also mr big the jesus and mary chain shanice uh, as i just mentioned there east side beat clavillas and cole sort of because cnc music factory did have a now album song you, you don't look like you're agreeing with me on that one no that's that's ridiculous all right then all right then <laughs> just because they walked in with different name tags on you of all people should appreciate that people can change their names depending on where they are. Yes, okay, mate. Thanks, mate. All right, then. Eight, then. Not nine. Call it eight. And to finish the collection, Opus 3 and Alison Limerick are the others that appear now where else. But our next artist... um, That's a lot, though, isn't it? Well, eight. So not quite a quarter, if you've disqualified one, but eight is quite a lot. And and, and usually when this happens, the high proportion of of them are one-hit wonders. In this case, there's there's only a couple, which is quite unusual. Um, I think, as we'll find again with our friend now, 25 later on um we, we could be into the realms of slightly ridiculous numbers of uh, uh one hit wonders anyway let's move on to track two on this yes. two which is not by a one hit wonder because they appeared one more time i think it's the pasadenas and i'm doing fine now uh i've got literally nothing to say about this at all let's move on uh, <laughs> perfunctory cover those two words you can have there the next track is uh, is kylie minogue uh, another cover give me just a little more time or yeah as pete waterman called it give me just a little more cash so i can buy another steam train yeah well they're, they're not cheap kidder i was reading the notes on this and literally the, the story goes he woke up in the middle of the night singing this and thought oh That'd make a great hit. <laughs> Did he wake up in the morning, hear something like I'm doing fine now on the radio and thought, there's a 70s cover version, I'll do another one? Probably. Anyway, he could he could at this point basically make up his own rules, couldn't he? I bet I can have a hit with the most unlikely singers with the most unlikely songs and people will just buy it anyway. Well, he'd already done that with the Reynolds Girls three years earlier, to be fair. Yeah, so, so, so now he was just bored. And, and clearly just, uh, uh, Minow, you can do this. Crack on. I love Kylie to bits, but this is fodder. Crack four is, oh, another cover version of, uh, with, no, this was an early 80s song, actually, rather than a 70s song, Eastside Beats version of Ride Like the Wind, which I quite like, actually. Um, it's it's nothing special. This was a PWL International record, which is where the dance stuff went. Um, see also the next track. Um, but uh, that was the first version of Ride Like the Wind to make the top 40, because um, the Christopher Cross version uh, actually didn't, and neither did uh, the cover by Saxon, which is slightly more understandable, I think. 
<laughs> that that is very understandable. But this, yeah, this is fine. There's nothing marvelous about it. There's nothing awful. It doesn't ruin Christopher Cross's version. Um, there wasn't that much there, you know, to to desperately ruin. It wasn't that close to my heart that if they had done an awful job, I'd have been crying. Uh, but yeah, it'll do. And and it starts a mini dance section which um, lasts for uh, five tracks, three of which are on the aforementioned PWL International or Continental or whichever version it was label. So Pete's done very well out of this uh, disc, hasn't he? Speaking of which, we've got another one of his uh, licensed European tracks coming up next. <laughs> Which musician would you take stargazing with you? Are CNC Music Factory and Clavillas and Cole really the same? Tweet us with your thoughts on those and anything else we've been chatting about to at the Oblong Desk. Still to come, we look at who didn't make it onto the album. Noakes says... Are you surprised that children who are given jobs on the internet can't do them properly? Because I'm not. I say this... I've seen her doing dance things and judging people, and she's completely passable at both of those things. And we pick our favourite tracks from Now 21. From an Italian dance song to a Dutch one, and from one of the most famous Dutch artists of all time, I would say, Pussycat have got nothing on them. It's Too Unlimited, track five on disc two, with Twilight Zone, which was their second single in a row to get to number two, and isn't really as good as the first one. It would be my summary. Indeed. Uh, it's it's Too Unlimited making their very ineffectious Too Unlimited noise, and it works in a disco, works on the radio. It's not the kind of thing you're going to sit down for a quiet evening and go, let's pop some Too Unlimited on. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> not, not if you're going to sit down like like I do now. It's more of a dance around the uh, round the kitchen table. It's definitely not a get your pipe out, pop some shag in it and puff away type relaxing interlude, no. Too Unlimited do what Too Unlimited do. It's very, very good pop but it's, there's not a lot of depth to it. No, you wouldn't come at 2 Unlimited expecting depth, um, unlike track six on disc two, which is um, the second appearance for the KLF with America, What Time Is Love. And as I said then, quite a rarity to have two tracks on a Now album at that point. Um, this was the one that featured Extreme Noise Terror as guest artists, although they weren't credited um, on the single. And uh, they also performed with the KLF at that infamous Brits appearance where they uh, fired blanks into the audience and then left a dead sheep outside. Just a just a normal day in the life of Drummond and Cody there. Um, and that, of course, was the official end of the KLF. So by the time this album came out, that would have been it. It's weird to think that, really, isn't it? Mm. And this was a reissue of What Time Is Love, was it? They reworked it very slightly. A bit more than subtle. Uh, Extreme Noise Terror do some pretty loud guitars in the background. It's speeded up as well, so it's it's more a rock track than a rave track. But then towards the end, the last minute, they do America, that um, song. Not not the one we were talking about earlier, the other one. It becomes a hymn for the last minute. It was apparently designed to tie in... Would you remember there was lots of hoo-ha around the anniversary of Columbus discovering America? Mm. 
it was supposedly to time with that, but I suppose it was more successful than Carry On Columbus, at least. But uh, a very odd way to, more or less, because they did have the odd single that came out later, end their career as the KLF. I quite like it, but it, it's it's not in the league of justified and ancient, it has to be said. The guy who uh, has done the Now website, he's credited this to the KLF featuring the Children of the Revolution. No, that's wrong. The uh, the Children of the Revolution... <gasps> I know. Well, are you surprised that the children who are given jobs on the internet can't do them properly? Because I'm not. In, in summary, um, the Children of the Revolution were credited on the original version of What Time Is Love and also on uh, 3AM Eternal. They were not credited on this. Disc 2, track 7, and, and hopefully on the website not credited to CNC Music Factory, is it? No, they've got this one right. Clavillas and Cole, A Deeper Love. Which, um, I, I don't know, do you think people remember this? Because they only had, they did two songs under that name. They did a cover of Pride, um, U2's Pride, which I yeah. think people may remember. But A Deeper Love, I, I'm not sure whether it would be the better or the lesser remembered one. I can't work out in my head which way around it would be, because Aretha no. Franklin covered it later as well. So maybe people know it, I don't know. It's hard to know. Maybe, maybe we should have played this one, but we didn't. So let's move on, shall we, to the next one? Yes, let's. And this, this is glorious. And it's a fine day, track eight on disc two of Now 21, which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk. And uh, that's the last in our kind of dance sequence, I suppose. Um, that was originally an a cappella song by a lady called Jane. Uh, it wasn't a hit. Um, and the singer on, here's another fact for you the singer on the Opus 3 version is Kirsty Hawkshaw. Uh, she had a very strange kind of braids in her hair, didn't she, if you remember? Uh, she is the daughter of Alan Hawkshaw, who composed loads of TV themes. Um, the one that he's most notable for is the Grange Hill theme. So there's some facts. We are full of facts. That's at least three now. Yes. Yes. I think we reviewed this at the time on Oblong Desk. I think there aren't actually many songs on this album that we did cover in, um, in, in no, our original programme. I remember program. this, this was huge in uh, University Radio Nottingham. URN. It was, and the weird thing is, we're not going to do hit or miss on this. We're just, you know, we're just chatting. But, but originally it was a hit. This one, and I think I may have been the only one who didn't like it. Um, there was something about it, it just didn't appeal to me at the time. But I, I actually, time's been kind to it. I, I do like it a lot now, actually. Sometimes you'll play songs and they just sound so dated, and they sound like they're of the time. Um, which, in fairness, because there's so many cover versions on this album, there, there aren't that many songs that sound really of the time, I guess. Um, maybe Too Unlimited does. But this one, you can stick it on now. It is still a credible piece of dance music. 
and it has been remixed and reissued at least once and I think it's been used in other songs since as well whether they've been hits or not I couldn't tell you because you know dear listener modern music I just kind of shrug Track 9 on disc 2. This was a banker, really, for a a hit, a top 10 hit. This was Erasure and Breath of Life, which is, again, going back to our regular theme, one of those where I'd like to hear this more on the radio. I think it's a a good little pop song, and you just don't hear it at all because there are, you know, obviously bigger and better-known Erasure songs. Yeah, so if you're sitting there thinking, which Erasure song shall I play today, it's never going to be Breath of Life unless you're having an Erasure marathon, and I've seen them live not so many years ago now and they were awesome but yeah this 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 is never going to be in a concert it's it's just there and it's made it onto an album it's the fourth single off an album so it 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 performs that function really it's a decent enough song i mean to get uh three top 10 hits from an album that was the third am i right missed out around about christmas time but uh but yeah, third top ten hit off an album. It's a decent song. Um, I like it. Uh, as you say, you probably wouldn't pick it out, but uh, certainly certainly stands up quite well compared to the likes of Chorus and Love to Hate You, which were around at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm generally a fan of most of what Erasure do. And as I say, I wouldn't put this in my top ten Erasure songs. Let's go on to one that I think will take less time to talk about. Number 10, Adam's Groove by Hammer, as he was now known. The MC had gone. Yeah, they do what they want to do. <laughs> say what they want to say. Yes, we can't, we can't muster up any enthusiasm for this, I'm afraid. It's, a, it's another soundtrack song. I mean, there aren't too many on this album, but it's, a, it's another one, and that's about all you can say, really. It's an awful film, and it's an awful song. And they go together very nicely indeed. I can't remember if I've seen the film, actually. I must have done. I don't remember much about it, so that probably tells you all you need to know. It's wacky, with all that that entails. If it was a sticker, it would say, you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. Track 11, disc 2. Uh, salt and pepper. Salt and pepper and expression, which is uh, it's it's yet another this is coming out soon thing. Uh, a bit more of a punt, I suppose. Well, no, it is and it isn't. I mean, the original version got to number forty, um, so you would expect the remix would do a bit better. But it got to number twenty-three only, um, so it wasn't a massive hit. And I can't really muster up much enthusiasm about it. It's kind of okay, but it's certainly not one of their best. It's following in a uh, a traditional. Album second disc feel, isn't it? It's that kind of we've heard of the band, but I mean, to be honest, I hadn't played this since it was out and I couldn't remember it. I played it, and I was like, oh, that's why. Mm, enough said. Now, uh, uh, have you got a love thing? Uh, no, but I've got. I've got a love thang. A love thang. Well, that's excellent. And so Cece Penister. <laughs> what was that about the thang thing? Yeah, I know. It's um, it didn't last very long, did it? I remember the Jungle Brothers had a song called "Doing Our Own Dang," which is a, a slight uh, mm. different take on it. But uh, I mean, I mean, um, the, the youth, the youth. I, I I work with youth these days, and they are forever mangling the English language. But thang seems to me to be. It doesn't make it sound any better. Well, no, it doesn't. And and the song itself is very very bland uh it was her first big hit though because finally had come out and just kind of scraped into the top 30 and then after we got a love thang then they re-released finally and it was a massive hit to be heard on the likes of heart fm forevermore if you're going to change thing to anything you should change it to thong <laughs> well yes we, we know a man who would don't we but let's not go there because that's going to lead to all kinds of cliqueiness instead let's play a very silly song <laughs> 
if I'd have had my way, that would have been that would have been getting a Warnock. There's literally nothing enjoyable about that. She, poor Abdul can't sing, can she? Which for a singer is is quite a weird career choice to have made. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen her doing dance things and judging people, and she's completely passable at both of those things. But this, I mean, th- th- there are other poor Abdul songs that I can cope with because they're really good songs, even though she can't sing them. But this, this is just, what have you got on it? Because I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> she can, she can really judge people well. That's, a, that's the very definition of damning with faint praise, there, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. I, I don't hate it as much as you do. I, I recognise that it's, it's not the best pop song in the world, um, and she certainly is a terrible singer. I'm with you on that one. But I don't know. There's something about it. It's quirky. It's weird. It, it's the kind of thing that I like to have on now albums because it reminds you that it wasn't all about simply red, and Genesis and number one hits it was about absolute nonsense like that as well um and there aren't too many silly uh nonsense songs like that on here I'll be, let, let's just be clear here, it's not intended as a novelty song it may sound like one but uh, but it isn't and and the other thing i'll say on this is there are worse um there are much worse paula abdel songs that have dated appallingly and i refer you to forever your girl from 1989 which is absolutely abysmal and is one of the most dated songs in music yeah. history she makes some very very strange noises on vibology though also vibology is not a word isn't it no have you checked i have checked yeah it's not one of the ologies be a good nine letter um, conundrum in countdown if it was you could have uh Jiovi Lobe. There you go. There's one. <laughs> if only she'd sung that. Shall we move on to track uh, 14, which is um, slightly unusual, actually, I think. Alison Limerick, Make It On My Own. I think it's one of those that um, people will have forgotten about. Um, it's, it's quite a good little song, really. It, it was actually a bigger hit than the more famous Where Love Lives the first time round, although that was reversed when they were remixed later on in the 90s, when uh, Where Love Lives was absolutely massive in its remix form and uh, Make It On My Own kind of sank, really. I, I like it. I mean, she's a good singer. She she was a backing singer for loads of people before and after she had hits. She's a very talented lady, very underrated, I think. Um, didn't have massive hits, but uh, I think it's uh, it's reasonable enough to go on here. It was a top 20 hit, so fair enough. Yeah, and, and if anyone's bored by now of the Now album, then, you know, this does nothing to either make them switch off nor indeed make them tune in again. It's just there. But, luckily enough, if you are bored of the Now album, here come three tracks that will make you doze off completely. Um, track <laughs> track 15, Way of the World by Tina Turner. Uh, forgotten for good reason. What? I can't remember. I can remember the chorus, uh, but that's about it. I bet she struggles. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's a virgin EMI artist. Let's just leave it there. Okay. Uh, and needs the money. And clearly needs the money. Those wigs wouldn't pay for themselves. Track 16 on disc two, Curtis Steiger's I Wonder Why. Uh, well, yes, don't we all? Um, I think that this has probably, because, you know, because he didn't have the greatest haircut, he wasn't the most cool guy, I think we were predisposed not to like it. If you go back and listen to it now in the right mood, it's 
okay yeah it is it's all right and and you know we can't cast aspersions on people's hair because i mean goodness knows you should see mine in lockdown state it's absolutely abysmal so i'm not going to criticize him for that and also he appeared on shooting stars when he was trying to do a kind of mini revival later in the 90s and he was a really good sport on that so he's clearly you know he's a nice guy so fair dues so we'll cut him some stuff and as i say i wonder why it's it's a yeah it's a nice ish song i'm gonna say it nice ish i wouldn't switch it on but I wouldn't go out and burn. No, I think that's fair enough. That's a, it is, but it's not a palpable hit, as we used to say in the old days. Track 17, we've reached the end. And to celebrate, oh. we've got a tedious ballad. So the last track on the album is Diana Ross, the aforementioned Christmas number two. So thank goodness for Freddie, for whatever reason it may have been. Uh, when You Tell Me That You Love Me is the song and is frankly very, very boring. Yeah, yeah. Well, Diana Ross should not be allowed to do slow songs. They're all awful. Chain Reaction was fine. Mm, um, sort of. Oh, come on, it's a good song. Uh, it's got Bee Gees on it. It's well, yes, there is that. She shouldn't do slow songs. She hasn't got the right voice. Again, we I'm banging on about this. If you go slow, you've got to put some meaning into it. And this is her turning up and singing the words... Yeah, and 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 this started a run of about half a dozen songs that were pretty much interchangeable. That all were slow, dull ballads, and they all seem to do pretty well in the charts. So I think we've got another one on the next Now album. You'll be delighted to hear. <gasps> don't forget to tune in, listener. Um, uh, don't worry, we, we we won't be playing it. So yeah, that's uh, that's it really. I think we've uh, wow we've wrapped up now twenty one. Wow, we've got through it. Fantastic. Well done, Oz. We have a couple more things to do. The first of which, which we're going to do for every um, album, it's going to be a regular feature, is Look What You Could Have Won. And this is essentially, um, we're going to pick some songs that we think could have been on the Now album. It's more my picks, really, but but John's going to um, choose from maybe one or two that that he agrees with. Um, And I've tried to keep this... um, as it would have been at the time. So songs from the period up to the album was compiled, and we know when that is, because Ashley Abraham says this song had got to this chart position by, what was it, the 15th of March or whatever it was. Um, So I've tried to stick to that. Um, I've tried to pick artists that would have been available. So in other words, stuff that wasn't, big names who never appeared on now albums such as michael jackson and uh madonna so here's my here's my selection for this one i've selected how many have i got here i've got eight so um you you can choose maybe one that you think sh- we won't talk about which one we should replace because there's plenty of candidates first one i chose it would have gone quite nicely on uh disc two i think in the dance section blue pearl can you feel the passion um if if nothing else the other two blue pearl hits were on now albums I think so. It would have it would have made a nice uh, made a nice triple there. Although I think Naked in the Rain was only on Now Dance. It wasn't on a regular Now album. But that's the one that has Playing with Knives by Bizarre Ink running underneath it, and that never appeared on a Now album. So that would have been a nice thing to have too. Mm. I mean, if you're going to have a Blue Pearl song, it's Naked in the Rain, isn't it? Fair enough. The um, song. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, second one, the Sugar Carry on. the Sugar Cubes hit that might have oh. made it. Yes, Bjork. Was that her first hit? It was the Sugar Cube's only top 40 hit. Bjork right. did appear on um, Now album, so you would assume that the Sugar Cube's would have been available, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's just a superb song, and, and I can't believe 
that it's not on an album. That's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just... Your your other songs have got a lot to live up to. Okay, all right, let's... uh, Oh, I'll carry on. I know you won't agree with all of them anyway. Uh, Primal Scream, moving on up. That was a number 11 hit, so quite a big hit. Um, Loaded was on Now 17, so um, they could have gone with that one somewhere, but it's not got a great deal of indie stuff on this album, really. And much as I dislike Primal Scream... I think that you cannot argue that 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 moving on up is something that you know certainly has stood the test of time. It's still played now. It's partly because it's full of samples and stuff. It doesn't sound that old. Rizala, my friend Rizala, are you ready to fly again? Faith had been on a, a now album, and and uh, everybody's free had been on now dance as well the previous year. So it would have been a hat trick, but. I can kind of see why that didn't get on there. It would have would have fitted in on yeah. the dance bit, though, I suppose. Yeah, it's better than some of the things that are on there, but uh, wasn't to be. We're saying that quite a lot, aren't we, funnily enough? Um, Cicero, Love is Everywhere. Uh, Pet Shop Boys were now regulars. They didn't have a song out at this point. Uh, was it worth it was the closest one, but that didn't do very well just before Christmas. So Cicero, with the Pet Shop Boys' influence, you would have thought might have been a, a shoe in there but um it's not on there and uh, and more's the pity for it a very good song i think so uh one by u2 is perhaps very surprising omission given that that was a, a big hit and the fly had been on the previous now album so there was certainly no um problem with licensing u2 tracks um so that's a that's a, a surprise given how many ballads we do have on here and it's uh, of all of those ballads that we've mentioned and played today it's it's right up there. it is um it's well documented in other places that um, that Bono is not my favourite human being, much as he does do a lot of work for charity um, <laughs> and does go, and does on, go on and on about um, it. On and on and on. But, but one, it's a beautiful song. Um, I'm also going to controversially say that I prefer the Mary J. Blige version. Well, I... I don't. Um, the interesting thing here is that Misha Paris did a cover of it uh, a few years down the line, and that did get on a Now album. So that's pretty pretty disgraceful, really, that Misha Paris' version got on and U2's didn't. But uh, never mind. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, no, it's a good song. I'd be happy with that on there. Two more for consideration. Um, the next one I've put in because it's a big hit, not because I like it, just to be clear. Eric Clapton, Tears in Heaven. Now, our dear departed friend Peter Cook gave a different name to this song when we reviewed it on Oblong Desk. I, I won't say what it is, because it might upset people. No, um, but no, you probably remember what it was, John. Um, and uh, it, it's it's dull as dishwater, but it could have been on here. I'm not sure, though. I can't remember whether Clapton was a, a Virgin EMI stable artist or a Sony one, and I suspect he may have been Sony. I can't remember. Eric Clapton was in was in a very, very difficult place when he wrote that and he wrote something beautiful that's his it's like it's it's almost like it's it's his personal response to something Mm. utterly tragic and so yeah i i don't like it but yeah it's almost like you know you're you're getting a window into his world that he was living in at that point and yeah it's kind of like it does it really belong on a now album probably not um because that's not what now is about probably not Last one, then. Uh, and she was uh, kind of semi-regular at the time. Um, certainly Change had been on the previous Now album, Lisa Stansfield. So there, there were two choices here. Um, All Woman 
had been out around Christmas time, and that could have been on here to represent Lisa Stansfield. And Time to Make You Mine, which frankly, for me, is the best thing she ever did. Uh, I checked this, was it number 21 when the album was being put together? So that's another one that could have made it on there as a kind of still climbing at the time of compilation. And that's shocking, isn't it? When you look at what is on there, <laughs> yes. that, that somebody that somebody as kind of ubiquitous as Lisa Stansfield. Remember, she used to just alternate the best female um, songwriter at the Brits every year. It was her or Annie Lennox or her, because they were the only two British female artists that there were. So so quite why they've dodged Lisa Stansfield is a mystery. Although, again, this is, this is nothing remarkable. Neither of those two songs. Are, you're, you're a fan of the, uh, the second one. Yeah, I do like Time to Make You Mine. I mean, All Woman doesn't do anything for me at all, but um, Time to Make You Mine is, is is a nice song. It's kind of mid-tempo. It would fit quite well with um, some of the stuff that's on this too, but uh, I, I wouldn't have it as my number one choice. It, I, I think if you, what it boils down to is I think we can probably pick two here. We can probably pick one that should definitely have been on there, and we just don't understand why it's not on there, and a personal choice for which one we would like to have on there. I think the one that absolutely should have been on there and i'm baffled as to why it isn't is you two and one and i suspect you probably agree with that i would agree with you yeah that's that's very mysterious um as to my own personal favorite i think the sugar cubes for me it's got to be that one Okay, fair enough. I'm, I would go for Cicero because I think um, it's nice to have those songs that just remind you of that time. They're just like one-offs because, you know, the Cicero song, it's amazing how many people know it. I mean, you never hear it on the radio now, but whenever I play it or someone else I know plays it on their radio, she's like, oh, that's a brilliant song. So I think it would be a nice little time capsule one to have. But to be fair, Sugar Cubes is, is pretty much this would perform the same function. So I think we're both on the same page there. <laughs> So this is the bit where we pick our own personal favourite uh, track. You can like take one track off here and put it onto your playlist on your app or onto uh, your iPod or whatever else it is uh, and take that with you from here. So you can go first. Mokes, what's yours? Well, I, I have had a think about this and for me it has to be for the sheer fun and uh, unlikeliness of it in the sense that I still can't believe it happened. I would have to go for Justified and Ancient by the KLF and Tammy Wynette, I think. It's a good choice. It's not mine, though. I was torn, I was very torn, between Welcome to the Cheap Seats and, um, and It's a Fine Day. And I think just from a nostalgia point of view... I'm going for Opus 3, It's a Fine Day. Okay, yeah, good choice, I think, as well. Um, so I, I think uh, that just about does it for our first Oblong Desk uh, podcast. Back out of storage and um, hopefully doing the business once again. We have got more of these to come. And if you would like to get involved in what we've been talking about, because uh, whilst we do know that we are very very important we also know that you are very important too and your views count and so we do have a uh, twitter handle that you can get in touch with us that's at the oblong desk all one word the oblong desk which looks like theo blong desk but in <laughs> fact the oblong desk so you can tweet us there uh we've got a uh, podcast website as well which is oblongdesk.podbean.com where you can download this and any future episodes. 
uh, we look forward to seeing you there good stuff and also if you have any suggestions for albums that we should cover or maybe topics that we should cover on future podcasts because you know the the core um, features on here are going to be around the now albums but there's nothing to say that we couldn't do you know what's our favorite top 10 favorite stock Aitken and waterman tracks since we were talking about pete earlier or or yeah. or if there's yeah. another album uh from a similar period that you might want us to do i mean when the hits albums start being made again in the mid 90s we could do the hits albums we could do some compilations from now dance or whatever it might be um i think as long as it's more or less in period we're going to go forward in time aren't we from from this now yeah. album onwards um then that would probably work yeah the more the merrier yeah send us your ideas and if we like them we'll do them and if we don't then uh, you know you can do your own podcast that's the way the world works these days everyone has a voice yes exactly <laughs> everyone has a voice Absolutely. even polar abdul's which isn't very good as we've established if we if we take away nothing else from this episode that's what we should take away i'm going to take away the fact that yeah that definitely reviewing things and judging things is what she should do and what we should do next time when we will look at now 22 Yes, join us um, for Now 22, which was released in the summer and um, has some fairly interesting stuff on disc one. Uh, disc two, well, let's, um, let's, not, uh, let's not spoil everything, eh? <laughs> you wait and see what's mm. on disc two. Oh, oh, yes. See ya. See you next time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.